book four chapter fifteen of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah grand book four chapter fifteen part one air perfumed with flowers music motion warmth and stillness moonlit meadows shadowy woods the river and the boat it had been a time of delight too late begun and too soon ended but exultation cannot last beyond a certain time at that height and then comes the inevitable reaction it came upon the tenor and the boy quite suddenly and for no apparent reason it was the boy who felt it first and left off playing then the song ceased and the tenor rowed on diligently they were near the landing-place by this time but the tenor did not know it he had not noticed the landmarks as they passed and thought they had still some distance to go here boy he said breaking a long silence take the oars and row i am tired and it is your turn now oh the boy exclaimed derisively just as if i would row and blister my lovely white hands when you are here to row me i cannot tolerate such laziness the tenor protested it is sparing the rod and spoiling the child here take the oars or i'll throw you overboard and he made a gesture toward him the boy jumped up laughing and flourishing his violin as if he would hit the tenor on the head with it don't touch me he cried or i'll take care for god's sake the tenor exclaimed but too late his excitable companion in the middle of cutting a fantastic caper reeled lost his balance plunged head foremost into the water and sank like a stone without a moment's delay the tenor dived in after him the cockle-shell of a boat half capsizing as he went over took in water enough to sink her to the gunwale and the whole thing happened so quickly that a spectator on the bank who had seen the boat and its occupants one moment might have looked in vain the next for any trace of either the tenor came to the surface alone his dive in the uncertain light had been unsuccessful and now he had the strength of mind to wait in what agony of suspense heaven only knows till the boy should rise it could only have been a few seconds but it was long enough for the tenor to lay another man's death at his own door to realize the loss to himself the boy would be and his position when he would have to take the dreadful news to the family only one member of which in all probability knew of their intimacy she knew but good heaven would she not blame him oh he had been to blame to blame it was only a few seconds yet it was time enough for the unfortunate tenor to live over again the awful moment when he had seen his best friend drop dead only there was a double pang for time and space were confounded and it was as if both father and brother as they had been to him had gone down at once and both by his hand in that brief interval of suffering his face had become rigid and set a stony mask with no visible sign of emotion upon it and yet the man's strength and power of endurance were evident in this that he had the courage to wait and presently the boy rose to the surface within easy reach with an exclamation of relief the tenor grasped him and struck out for the shore afraid at first that the boy who apparently could not swim would cling about him in his fright and hamper his movements and then afraid because the boy did not cling about him but suffered himself to be dragged through the water inert 
like a log helpless lifeless no not lifeless the tenor argued with himself he could not be lifeless you know he had not been in the water long enough for that the tenor noticed that he had not let go of his violin and thought the ruling passion strong in no not in death how could a dead hand hold on like that boy dear boy but the boy made no response the tenor had struck out for the nearest bank which as luck would have it brought him to the landing-place at the water-gate his perception seemed singularly quickened every sense was actively alive to what was passing nothing escaped him and he rendered an account to himself of all that occurred feeling it strange that while that he should be able to do so at such a time he noticed some detail of the stonework in the arch as he swam toward it he noticed the poplars some three or four of different heights which stood up all stiff and viminous as seen from below beside it he remembered the boy once saying they looked like hairy caterpillars standing on their heads and smiled even now at the quaint conceit when he reached the steps and clutched the handrail it was with a sensation of joy that nearly paralyzed him he was curious though what odd and trivial phrases rose to his lips what irrelevant thoughts passed through his mind mustn't hollow till we're out of the wood he warned himself as he drew the boy from the water with difficulty in getting him over his shoulder so that he could hold him with one hand and steady himself on the steep steps with the other began to stagger up i wonder what the boy would say if he could see me now was his involuntary thought as he did so the boy was heavier than his slender figure would have led one to suppose or else the tenor was not so strong as he thought himself at all events he swayed under his burden as he carried him through the silent close now putting out his hand flat against a wall to steady himself and now staggering up to the gnarled trunk of one of the old lime trees and pausing to take breath while he mentally calculated the distance between that and the next support at which he could stop to rest noticing in the brief interval the blackness of the shadows noticing also a little shiver of leaves above him caused by a gust of air the first forerunner of a breeze that was rapidly rising noticed this last fact particularly partly because the wind chilled him in his thin wet flannels and partly because it marked the change in contrast between the warm and happy time just over the anxious present moment and the dread of what might be yet to come the next support was the corner of the wall which surrounded the dean's garden creeping on by that till it ended he made an unsteady dash across the road for the wall of the cathedral and then from that across again zigzag to his own little gate where gathering his strength for the last effort he took the boy whom he apostrophized as a perfect old man of the sea in both arms as a mother does her child and a moment afterward laid him on the floor of the long low room where they had spent so many happy hours together and from whence he had gone out a short time before all life and strength and youth and beauty gone to his death the tenor felt the phrase in his mind but stifled it with a thank god as he laid him down he had been fatigued by the long row when the accident happened and was now almost exhausted by excitement terror for the boy and this last effort but still his mind went on with abnormal clearness noting every trifle and continuing to force him as it were to render an account of each to himself he noticed the perfume of roses the roses the boy had showered in upon him so short a time before and he found himself measuring the shortness of the interval again as if it would have been easier to bear the catastrophe had it not jostled the happier state of things so closely he found himself wondering what the boy would say if he knew he had brought him in by the front door instead of by the window he was sure he would have insisted on the mode of entrance he so much preferred had he been conscious 
and felt as if he had taken a disloyal advantage of the boy's helpless condition but while these trivial thoughts flashed through his brain he lost no time not even in lighting a lamp though the room was dark what there was to be done must be done promptly and with the same extraordinary lucidity of mind he remembered every simple remedy there was at his disposal he ran upstairs three steps at a time for the blankets off his own bed he had made up the kitchen fire as was his wont that evening for the boy to cook if it pleased him and fortunately it was burning brightly still he warmed the blankets there and then returning stripped the light flannel clothing from the boy loosened his fingers from the violin which he still clutched convulsively rolled him up in them and then with an effort lifted him on to the sofa where he had sat and jested only a little while ago and again the involuntary reckoning of time to consider the contrast between the then and now smote the tenor to the heart with a cruel pang boy dear boy he called to him he was kneeling beside him but could only see a dim outline of his face in the obscurity of the room and perhaps it was the darkness that made him look so rigid boy dear boy he cried again but the boy made no sign oh god spare him the stricken man implored and then he clasped the lad in his arms and pressed his cheek to his in a burst of grief and tenderness not to be controlled he held him so for a few seconds and it seemed as if in that close embrace his whole being had expressed itself in love and prayer as if he had wrestled with death itself and conquered for all at once he felt the boy's limbs quiver through their clumsy wrappings and then he heard him sigh oh the relief of it the sudden reaction made him feel sick and faint but the precious life was not yet safe there's many a slip so his mind began in spite of an effort to control it restoratives heat stimulants friction he pulled the stand of ferns and flowering plants half round from the fireplace roughly so that the pots fell up against each other or rolled on the floor then he fetched the burning coals from the kitchen and heaped them on till the grate was full the kettle had been boiling on the hob so he brought it in now hissing with brandy to make a drink but he must have more light where are the matches nowhere of course they never are when they're wanted however it didn't matter a piece of paper would do as well and he twisted a piece up and stooped among the scattered roses to light it at the fire and then he lit the lamp and turned to look at the boy all this had been done in a moment as it seemed and his face was still bright with hope and prepared to smile encouragement but god in heaven he cried under his breath as a man does who is too shocked to speak out had some strange metamorphosis been brought about by that sudden immersion he pulled himself together with an effort and walked to the other end of the room where he stood with his back to the sofa and his hands upraised to his head trying to steady himself then he returned no he had not been mistaken he was not mad he was not dreaming it was the boy who had plunged into the water head foremost but this god in heaven he ejaculated again under his breath and then stood gazing like one transfixed for this with the handsome strong young face upturned the smooth white throat the dark brown braids pinned close to the head all wet and shining this was not the boy but the tenor's own lady his ideal of purity his goddess of truth his angel of pity as in his foolishly fond way idealizing he had been accustomed to consider her it was angelica herself yet so complete had been the deception to his simple unsuspicious mind so impossible to believe was the revelation and so used was he to associate some idea of the boy with everything that occurred that now with his first conscious mental effort he began to blame him as if her being there were due to some unpardonable piece of his mischief the little wretch he began how dare he he stopped there realizing the absurdity of it realizing that there was no boy and no lady for the matter of that at least none such as he had imagined it had all been a cruel fraud from beginning to end it was a terrible blow but the high-minded self-contained dignity of the man was never more apparent than in the way he bore it 
his face was unnaturally pale and set but there was no other sign of what he suffered and the first shock over he at once resumed his anxious efforts to restore the girl whose consciousness had scarcely yet returned although she breathed and had moved it was curious how the new knowledge already affected his attitude toward her in preparing the hot drink he put half the quantity of brandy he would have used five minutes before for the boy and when he had to raise her head to make her swallow it he did so reluctantly it was only a change of idea really the boy was a girl that was all but what a difference it made and would have made even if there had been no question of love and marriage in the matter at any other time the tenor himself might have marvelled at the place apart we assign in our estimation to one of two people of like powers passions impulses and purposes simply because one of them is a woman the stimulant revived the girl and presently she opened her eyes and met his as he bent over her you are better now i hope he said coldly moving away from her i am better she answered and again their eyes met but there was yet another moment of dazed semi-consciousness before she was able to attach any meaning to the change she saw in his face and then it flashed upon her what she had hoped feared expected and prevented every time they met had come to pass he knew at last and she could see at once what he thought of her she would never again meet the tolerant loving glance he had had for the boy nor note the tender reverence of his face when her own name was mentioned his idol was shattered the dream and hope of his life was over and from all that remained of them herself as she really was he shrank as from the dishonoured fragment of some once loved and holy thing a thing which is doubly painful to contemplate in its ruin because of the importunate memories that cling about it realizing something of this she uttered a smothered ejaculation and covered her face with a gesture of intolerable shame there was always that saving grace of womanliness about angelica that when there was no excuse for her conduct she had the honesty to be ashamed of herself in consequence of which she was one of those who never erred in the same way twice the tenor turned to the fire and then noticing her wet things scattered about he gathered them up i will take them and dry them he said and gladly made his escape what he thought in the interval was i must marry her now i suppose and he could not help smiling ironically at this new way of putting it nor wondering a little at the possibility of such a sudden change of feeling as that which had all at once transformed the dearest wish of his life into a distasteful if not altogether repugnant duty when the things were dry he took them to her i will leave you to put them on he said will you kindly call me when you are ready and then he closed the window that looked out on the road drew down the blind and once more left her no reproach could have chilled and frightened her as this stiff and formal yet cool acceptance of the position did she feared it meant that all was over between them in a way she had never thought possible but still she hoped to coax him round she dreaded the next hour the day of reckoning as it were but did not try to escape it on the contrary she hastened her dressing in order to get it over as quickly as possible israfil she called to him boldly as soon as she was ready the tenor returned she was standing in the middle of the room when he entered and she looked at him confidently and just as the boy would have done after a piece of mischief which he had determined to brazen out the boy had two moods the defiant and the repentant it seemed that the girl but here the tenor checked his thoughts it was very hard though to drop either of the two individualities which had hitherto been so distinct and different and to realize that one of them at least had never existed she certainly brought more courage to the interview than he did for he the wronged one found as he faced her now that he had not a word to say for himself for the moment she was master of the situation and she began at once as if the whole thing were a matter of course catching an involuntary glance of the tenor's she put both hands up to her head as the boy would have done so the tenor 
still confused between the two expressed it to himself and the old familiar gesture sent another pang through his heart the water had washed the flaxen wig away but the thick braids of her hair were still pinned up tightly accounting for the shape of the remarkable head about which the boy had so often and as was now evident so recklessly jested her hair was very wet and she began deliberately to take it down and unplait it i could not always make it my head you know the same shape she said answering his thought but you never noticed the difference although you often looked i used to wonder how you could look so intelligently and see so little and she glanced down at herself so unmistakably a woman now that he knew she had been like a conundrum the answer to which you would never have guessed for yourself but you see it, it at once when you hear it and then it seems so simple she was rather inclined to speak to the tenor in a half-pitying patronizing way as to a weak creature easily taken in but he had recovered himself by this time and something in his look and manner awed her determined as she was and she could not keep it up he moved farther from her and then spoke in a voice made harsh by the effort it cost him to control it why have you done this thing he said sternly her heart began to beat violently the colour left her lips and she sank into a chair covered once more with shame and confusion but boy or girl the charm of her peculiar personality was still the same and it had its effect upon him even at that moment indignant as he was as she sat there her long hair falling behind her looking up at him with timid eyes and with tremulous mouth it was pitiful to see her so and it softened him what was your object he asked relenting excitement restlessness if i had any she faltered but i had no object i'm inventing one now because you ask me it is an afterthought i-i took the first step with a dry sob and then i-i just drifted on on you know from one thing to another but tell me all about it he persisted taking a seat as he spoke tell me exactly how it began there was no help for it now he was sitting in judgment upon her and she felt that she must make an effort to satisfy him it began oh let me see how am i to tell you and she twisted her hands frowning in perplexity i don't want to embellish the story so as to make it picturesque and myself more interesting and she looked at the tenor with slightly elevated eyebrows as if pained already by her own inaccuracy there was something irresistibly comic in this candid avowal of the force of habit and all the more so because she was too much in earnest for once to see the humour of it herself the tenor saw it however but he made no sign well begin he said i ought to know your method sufficiently well by this time to enable me to sift the wheat from the chaff angelica considered a little and then she answered hesitating as if she were choosing each word i see where the mistake has been all along there was no latitude allowed for my individuality i was a girl and therefore i was not supposed to have any bent i found a big groove ready waiting for me when i grew up and in that i was expected to live whether it suited me or not it did not suit me it was deep and narrow and gave me no room to move you see i loved to make music art that was it there is in my own mind an imperative monitor which urges me on always into competition with other minds i wanted to do as well as to be and i knew i wanted to do but when the time came for me to begin my friends armed themselves with the whole social system as it obtains in our state of life and came out to oppose me they used to lecture me and give me good advice as if they were able to judge and it made me rage i had none of the domestic virtues and yet they would insist upon domesticating me and the funny part of it was that side by side with my natural aspirations was an innate tendency to conform to their ideas while carrying out my own i believe i could have satisfied them my friends if only they had not thwarted me 
but that was the mistake i had the ability to be something more than a young lady fiddling away her time on useless trifles but i was not allowed to apply it systematically and ability is like steam a great power when properly applied a great danger otherwise let it escape recklessly and the chances are some one will be scalded bottled up and there will be an explosion in my case both happened the steam was allowed to escape at first instead of being applied to help me on in a definite career and a good deal of scalding ensued and then to remedy that mistake the dangerous experiment of bottling it up was tried and only too successfully i helped a little in the bottling myself i suppose and then came the explosion this is the explosion glancing round the disordered room and then looking down at her masculine attire i see it all now she proceeded in a spiritless way looking fixedly into the fire as if she were trying to describe something she saw there i had the feeling never actually formulated in words but quite easy to interpret now that if i broke down conventional obstacles broke the hampering laws of society i should have a chance it is a common mistake the tenor observed filling up the pause but i did not know how she pursued or where to begin or what particular law to break until one evening i was sitting alone at an open window in the dark and i was tired of doing nothing and very sorry for myself and i wanted an object in life more than ever and then a great longing seized me i thought it an aspiration i wanted to go out there and then i wanted to be free to go and come as i would i felt a galling sense of restraint all at once and i determined to break the law that imposed it and that alone was a satisfaction the finding of one law that i could break i didn't suppose i could learn much there wasn't much left to learn this was said bitterly as if she attached the blame of it to somebody else but i should be amused and that was something and i should see the world as men see it which would be from a new point of view for me and that would be interesting it is curious isn't it she reflected that what men call life they always go out at night to see and what they mean by life is generally something disgraceful it was to the fire that she made this observation and then she resumed it is astonishing how importunate some ideas become one now and then of all the numbers that occur to you how it takes possession of you and how it insists upon being carried into effect this one gave me no peace i knew from the first i should do it although i didn't want to and i didn't intend to if you can understand such a thing but my dress was an obstacle as a woman i could not expect to be treated by men with as much respect as they show to each other i know the value of men's cant about protecting the weaker sex because i was a woman i knew i should be insulted or at all events hindered however inoffensive my conduct and so i prepared this disguise and i began to be amused at once it amused me to devise it i saw a tailor's advertisement with instructions how to measure yourself and i measured myself and sent to london for the clothes these thin ones are padded to make me look square like a boy and then with some difficulty i got a wig of the right colour it fitted exactly covered all my own hair you know and was so beautifully made that it was impossible for any unsuspicious person to detect it without touching it and the light shade of it too accounted for the fairness of my skin which would have looked suspiciously clear and delicate with darker hair the great difficulty was my hands and feet but the different shape of a boy's shoes made my feet pass and i crumpled my hands up and kept them out of sight as much as possible but they are not of a degenerated smallness she added looking at them critically it is more their shape however when i dressed myself and put on that long ulster i saw the disguise would pass and felt pretty safe but isn't it surprising the difference dress makes i should hardly have thought it possible to convert a substantial young woman into such a slender delicate-looking boy as i make but it just shows how important dress is 
the tenor groaned didn't you know the risk you were running he asked oh yes she answered coolly i knew i was breaking a law of the land i knew i should be taken before a police magistrate if i were caught masquerading and that added excitement to the pleasure the charm of danger but then you see it was danger without danger for me because i knew i should be mistaken for my brother our own parents do not know us apart when we are dressed alike oh then there are two of you the tenor said yes i told you they call us the heavenly twins said angelica yes you told me the tenor repeated thoughtfully but then you told me so many things well i told you nothing that was not absolutely true angelica answered from diavolo's point of view i assumed his manner and habits when i put these things on imitated him in everything tried to think his thoughts and looked at myself from his point of view in fact my difficulty was to remember that i was not him i used to forget sometimes and think i was but i confess that i never was such a gentleman as diavolo is always under all circumstances poor dear diavolo she added regretfully how he would have enjoyed those fried potatoes the tenor slightly changed his position he only glanced at her now and then when he spoke to her and for the rest he sat as she did with his calm deep eyes fixed on the fire and an expression of patient sadness upon his face that wrung her heart perhaps it was to stifle the pain of it that she began to talk garrulously oh i am sorry for the trick i have played you she exclaimed with real feeling i have been sorry all along since i knew your worth and i came to-night to tell you to confess and to apologize when i first knew you all my loving consciousness was dormant if you know what that is i mean the love in us for our fellow-creatures which makes it pain to ourselves to injure them but you rearoused that feeling and strengthened and added to it until it had become predominant so that since i have known you as you are i have hated to deceive you this is the first uncomfortable feeling of that kind i have ever had but for the rest i did not care i was bored i was always bored and i resented the serene unconcern of my friends their indifference to my aspirations and the way they took it for granted that i had everything i ought to want and could therefore be happy if i chose exasperated me to be bored seems a slight thing but a world of suffering is contained in the experience and do you know israfil i think it dangerous to leave an energetic woman without a single strong interest or object in life trouble is sure to come of it sooner or later which sounds like a truism now that i have said it and truisms are things which we habitually neglect to act upon in my case nothing of this kind would have happened and again her glance round the room expressed a comprehensive view of her present situation if i had been allowed to support a charity hospital with my violin or something made to feel responsible you know but surely you must recognize the grave responsibility which attaches to all women in the abstract angelica interposed i know if things go wrong they are blamed for it if they go right the church takes the credit the value attached to the influence of women is purely fictitious as individuals usually find when they come to demand a recognition of their personal power i should have been held to have done my duty if i had spent the rest of my life in dressing well and saying the proper thing no one would consider the waste of power which is involved in such an existence you often hear it said of a girl that she should have been a boy which being interpreted means that she has superior abilities but because she is a woman it is not thought necessary to give her a chance of making a career for herself i hope to live however to see it allowed that a woman has no more right to bury her talents than a man has in which days the man without brains will be taught to cook and clean while the clever woman will be doing the work of the world well which is now being so shamefully scamped but i was going to say that i am sure all my vagaries have arisen out of the dread of having nothing better to do from now until the day of my death as i once said to an uncle of mine 
but to get up and go to bed after spending the interval in the elegant and useless way ladies do a ride a drive a dinner a dance a little music trifling all the time to no purpose not even amusing oneself for when amusement begins to be a business it ceases to be a pleasure this has not mended matters i know she acknowledged drearily but it has been a distraction and that was something while it lasted monotony however luxurious is not less irksome because it is easy a hard-working woman would have rest to look forward to but i hadn't even that although i was always wearied to death as tired of my idleness or purposeless occupations as anybody could possibly be by work i think if you will put yourself in my place you will not wonder at me nor at any woman under the circumstances who secure of herself in her position varies the monotony of her life with an occasional escapade as one puts sauce into soup to relieve the insipidity deplore it if you will but don't wonder at it it is the natural consequence of an unnatural state of things and there will be more of it still or i am much mistaken End of book four chapter fifteen part one